household. Inviting me down there on such short notice. Even if I wanted to go, my schedule wouldn't allow it. Four o'clock, wallow in self-pity. 4.30, stare into the abyss. Five o'clock, solve world hunger. Tell no one. 5.30, jazzercise. 6.30, dinner with me. I can't cancel that again. 7 o'clock, wrestle with myself. Loathing. I'm booked. Of course, if I want the loathing to nine, I could still be done in time to lay in bed, stare at the ceiling, and slip slowly into madness. But what would I wear? It's a kilt! Sicko! Stupid. Ugly. Out of date. This is ridiculous. If I can't find something nice to wear, I'm not going. I'm not going. Lights, camera, action. Welcome back to another episode of Happy Hour Films. I am Ross Bacon. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mike McGuigan. Mike, say hi. How's everyone doing? And as you all know, we're a podcast that cracks open beer and talks about some movies. Now, tonight, our untraditional, traditional Christmas comes to an end with How the Grinch Stole Christmas from the year 2000 with Jim Carrey and Batman Returns from 1992. Also, before we really get into it, I promised my roommate I would bring up District 9. He just really wanted me to bring up District 9 for some reason this episode. So go watch District 9. It's a pretty good movie. And end of plug. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now that the District 9 portion of our podcast is over. (laughs) All right. So we're going to be talking about the Valley Grinstall Christmas, the Jim Carrey version. I'm sure the original and the Benedict Cumberbatch version will come up as well. And then obviously we're going to talk about Batman Returns, and I'm sure all kinds of things are going to come up during that. But before we do that, why don't we talk about what beers we got? So, Mike, what do you got? All right, I got uh, the Big Man's Brew Center Stage Pale Ale. Uh, It's brewed and canned by Flying Fish Brewing Company, and it is I mean, it's what you expect from a pale ale. They just happen to be one of my favorite kinds of beers, and I really enjoy it. Yeah? What kind of alcohol are you looking at? Uh, We're rolling at 5.2%. Nice. And, I mean, like, I went with this because my mom and her family are big Bruce Springsteen fans, so we got to listen to Bruce Springsteen Christmas songs all through Christmas. So I saw this. I was like, this is pretty much a Christmas beer. That's a good way to get me to kill myself during Christmas. <laughs> Oh, jeez. But yeah, that sounds good. Uh, yeah, I'm drinking uh, Ties the Room Together by Cape May Brewing Company. It is a white cream stout. Ooh. Now, obviously, we're not talking about the Big Lebowski, which this is all about. But it's uh, 8.5%. And it's uh, a white cream stout. Now, it's like a gold beer. It's not a dark stout. Um, with coffee beans, cocoa nibs, lactose, and vanilla. Now, this thing absolutely tastes like a stout. It just does not look like a stout. But, um, gotcha. Yeah, no, that looks more like a lager or a light ale. Yeah, it's like a, it looks like an equivalent um, alcohol percentage IPA. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you can really taste the cocoa, the coffee beans, and the vanilla. Um, that's, it's not bad. It's It's not bad. I'm not... I don't dislike it, but it's fairly strong. So I don't know how many of these I'm going to have. I'm off all this week, so I can have as many beers as I please tonight. <laughs> I'm not waking up at 530 tomorrow. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's usually how it goes. But in fact, I've been drinking whiskey all day pretty much. So. <laughs> hey, all right. <laughs> so why don't we get started then with 2000s, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, Directed by Ron Howard, and in my opinion, he's doing his best Tim Burton movie. <laughs> I, this is my favorite Christmas, like actual Christmas movie we've talked about. Not 
not on traditional Christmas movie. This is my favorite traditional Christmas movie we've talked about. I think this is silly Jim Carrey at his best. I love it. <laughs> it is pretty. He is pretty good in it. Um, and uh, Jeffrey Tambor is just, he just does such a good asshole in this movie. Like, you uh, just hate him the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and given his recent events, turns out he really is an asshole. So, yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, that's true. Kind of, it's kind of easy to play one when you actually are one. <laughs> kind of like Kevin Spacey. Like you wonder why he plays such good creeps, you know? Yeah, he's a fucking creep, you know. <laughs> and then you have Taylor Momsen playing Cindy Lou Who, which is one of the better performances from a child actor, I think. What I, happened I, to that girl? What happened? To her? <laughs> well, she went on to Gilmore Girls, and now she is the lead singer of The Pretty Reckless, which is actually a pretty solid punk band. If you want to go listen to them my case in point what happened to that girl <laughs> you know he's like what I, the, the cutest kid in the world to being the most emo terrible singing rock uh, lead singer in the world I, I don't mind the pretty reckless you're you are you have been drinking whiskey all day haven't you <laughs> not as much as i minded batman returns Dude, Batman Returns is the greatest Batman movie ever made. We'll get into more on that on the second half of the episode, but I side more with Carrie on that end. Yeah, my wife's <laughs> frequently wrong about most things. <laughs> JR, I think, also said it was a bad Batman movie, too. Who's that? JR, when we had when we had him on for the first Batman. Er, he was on for the Keanu cast, and we got into Batman for some reason, and he of didn't course. like that movie. Yeah, he's, he's another person that's uh, frequently wrong about most things, except for Max sucking. <laughs> that's true we don't like max on this podcast fuck you max <laughs> <laughs> but anyway so anyway it's about the grinch did you watch the original or the benedict cumberbatch one as well or i've watched i've watched the original i've never watched the benedict cumberbatch one it's it's fine you know it's he's fine as it but i know brian really- brian said that the benedict cumberbatch one is great so I'll have to check it out on Brian's recommendation. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's great. Sorry, Brian, but it's it's fine. Like it's I do like Benedict Cumberbatch, but I kind of like the silliness Jim Carrey brings to the role. Yeah, I think I'm I'm there for it too. Like it's kind of like it's Carrey just going nuts. It is. And there's so many memeable moments from it. Like well, I mean, dinner with myself. Can't cancel that again. Right. Yeah, which apparently the- he had lived mo- like most of his long. I'm an idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Good old Echo. I love and, when uh, Echo turns against you. <laughs> we uh so at my house we have a new puppy and newer puppy. We got him in October, but whenever he like goes to bite, I, now I'll just do the that is not a chew toy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you want to talk about good dog actors, we can talk about Max. <laughs> oh yeah, he's done a couple movies, hasn't he? Uh, I think so, but both of these movies have good dog acting, and one one of them is a uh, from an Oscar nominated movie because the one the poodle in Batman Returns is um, I think his name Daisy, but it's the dog from Silence of the Lambs. But um, yeah, the Hallegers like with the Grinch with Carrie, it's it's peak Jim Carrey in two thousand. That's probably the last like solid performance we would get out of him for a while that's not true internal sunshine of the spotless mind comes shortly after this okay people always say that fucking movie and it's almost to the point where it's like the wire and breaking bad yeah everyone knows that they're good movies but you just simply can't keep stating that for a whole man's career you know (laughs) i know but like you can't say he hasn't had a good performance in a solid performance in a while when that comes almost immediately after this movie doesn't it well then, okay. Well, I'm looking it up now. But Bruce you, Almighty, 2003. You name me one thing worth watching other than that. Bruce Almighty is not a good movie. <laughs> I think it's enjoyable enough. Fun with Dick and Jane is awful. The number 23 is awful. Yes, man is fine the first time you watch it, and then it just just got awful. Horton hears a who I've seen parts of, and I remember falling asleep in. Apparently, I love you, Philip Morris. He was pretty good in. I never saw it. But, um, yeah, Mr. Popper's Penguins, terrible. Kick-Ass 2. Okay. <laughs> that movie's not good, but I think he, but he's fine in it. Uh, Incredible Burt Wonderstone is terrible. Anchorman's The Bad Batch. <laughs> yeah. 
He's got yeah, Jesus. He's got that um that movie he's actually good in, you know? <laughs> and he doesn't talk at all. Apparently right, Sonic was apparently Sonic was solid. Yeah, I mean I haven't seen it, but he's in there's like a cameo in that Anchorman 2, which I remember is he's in the fight scene, I think, like when they do the never ending fight yeah. scene because that movie's nothing but just multiplying everything that happened in the first movie. Dumb and Dumber 2 has like a couple moments that are funny, but the rest is completely unnecessary. I didn't like Dumb and Dumber 2 at all. Yeah, he's good in the Bad Batch. I don't know what Dark Crimes is, but he's it's a dark poster with him in a beard, so it's probably not good. Uh, Sonic, he's supposed to be good in, yeah. And that show Kidding, he's supposed to be all right in, but yeah, I would say if anything, recently he's got some good stuff recently, but there is a dark period for those 15 years in between this and accepting um, Eternal Sunshine. Everything I, I'm, do, I'm going to give Bruce Almighty a pass in my book. I, like, do I think it's a great movie? No. Do I think it's entertaining Jim Carrey? I do. I mean, I remember at the time liking it. And then I, I saw it again recently. And I was like, wow, no, <laughs> this is not a good one. But like with this, he's very much... I also didn't mind him in it. I didn't mind a series of unfortunate events. I read the books as a kid, so that that might be just a different time period between me and you, because they were, I think those books were more my time than yours. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember as well, but I remember, I do remember seeing the movie, and I remember being completely forgotten, like, 20 minutes after watching it's it. Not, it's not a great movie, and they did a better adaptation on Netflix of it, but I did enjoy it. Yeah. But it's like, it, I would say this is probably the last time, you know, other than Eternal Sunshine, if we're going to keep bringing that up. Other than that... Well, I mean, it's it's arguably arguably most critically acclaimed movie, so I think that has to be brought up when you're saying that there hasn't been a good performance after this. But is it because of him, though? Or is it because of the idea of the movie? I mean, he plays the movie well enough. I I don't think... A lot of people play movies. I I don't think you can discredit him in that movie because... It's constantly brought up. Granted, I do that all the time because I like to disagree with people, but whatever. <laughs> I'm not discrediting him. I'm just saying it might be overrated. <laughs> I, I'm sure, for sure it's overrated. I, I think it's a good movie and I think it's a good performance, but I don't like I don't think you can leave that out when you say there hasn't been a good he had he went a solid while without having a good performance after the Grinch. Well, it's almost the exception that proves the rule kind of thing. It's the one good one in those 15 years. That's fair. (laughs) But with this movie, he's very much like the Grinch, you know? Oh, yeah. You can't really see anybody else doing it as well as him. Attempts child murder slightly. (laughs) He's a total psychopath for parts. There are so much, there's so many interesting parts of this movie. That's why I say it's kind of a Tim Burton movie, like Ron Howard's best attempt at a Tim Burton movie, because it's so weird at times and the design is so specific. And it kind of looks like, you know, if this is like what Christmas land would look like in Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, there, there's something that the two movies we are talking about today that have in common two extremely unnecessarily horny characters. there's a there's a whole bunch of batman returns but specifically i'm talking about the penguin in batman Returns. oh yeah absolutely absolutely and And then uh, i'm talking about martha may in the grinch christine baranski who didn't really need any makeup to become a who which is (laughs) kind of hilarious to me (laughs) but yeah and okay if we're gonna let's talk about her She's obviously not happy at all with her life. And she's been pining for the Grinch ever since that day in eighth grade or whatever it was. Speaking of when they, when he goes to shave and getting made fun of for having a beard as a child, he very clearly does not have a beard. (laughs) No, he doesn't have one until he's older. So it's like, what the fuck is going on here? (laughs) There there are certainly some weird parts like that in The Grinch, but I just love this movie. It's bizarre. It is a Jim Carrey wacky performance. He is hilarious. There's so many meme-worthy moments in this movie that it's great. <laughs> is is that our standard of measurement now for a great movie? <laughs> How funny it can be on the internet in pictures. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also just so quotable at points. Yeah, but I mean, it's also like, 
when you look at holiday like Christmas movies, especially when you look at the ones we've talked about before this, the Christmas movies are all like iconic Christmas movies. You know, they're when you think of Christmas movies, you think of a lot like a certain generation will think of Miracle on 34th Street and It's a Wonderful Life. A certain other another certain generation is going to think of Christmas Story, Home Alone, Christmas Vacation. And then there's another generation that's going to think of this. There's Elf. Elf. There's going to be Elf. You know, there's a certain a group of people are going to think of Medea, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, I, in terms of my lifetime, I would say this and Elf are the two most iconic Christmas movies that have come out. Yeah, and it's it's Christmas movies are very generational. You know, it's obviously everyone's got there, and I think it's got something. It's got to be something to do with being a kid. You know, during Christmas. You know, whatever you equate with that season is pre- normally will equate you to enjoying your favorite Christmas movies. Now. I don't know, maybe that says something about me that I have one actual Christmas movie that's like my favorite, like Home Alone, and the rest yeah. are all untraditional Christmas oh, we've, esta- we've established that you're a cynical asshole about Christmas. That's right. You don't like going to look at Christmas lights. No, <laughs> they're fucking lights. Come on, people. Snap out of it, sheep. <laughs> Big Christmas has led you astray. But no, uh, this, mo- this movie, there are... S- so much fun like when he's just eating the apple and it's getting all over his face and he's just talking to himself (laughs) there's a lot of gross eating in both these movies and we'll talk about the master of that in the second movie but yeah this it's it's so and then there's all of the um the sprinkled in ron howard siblings (laughs) siblings and children (laughs) his dad his dad's in it his brother is in it his daughter his wife is in it his daughter is in it and then there's the guy that's not even related, but just happens to be named Howard, who's also in it. <laughs> there's Jeremy <laughs> Howard, who's in it. <laughs> he plays one of the teenagers in the beginning that are, like, scared by the Grinch. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... And then there's the Where Are You Christmas is very easily the best prerequisite song. That is a pretty good prerequisite song. <laughs> but, uh... So I want to talk about the physics of the trash chute that brings Jim Carrey, the, the Grinch, up to his mountain. I want to know what kind of chute. air propulsion system is yeah. in that. Yeah, that's a that's a long ass chute too. Like that's like a that's like a crunk and uh, like secret layer type of latch pulling down thing. But yeah. he gets in a trash chute and it launches him up a mountain. This isn't a trap door that sends you to a secret lab. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Can't you imagine? Yeah. It also sends you the other way too, so it's kind it of does. there's some sort of vacuum system going on. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the funnier, like one of the funniest things about this movie, are the um, I guess like the t- the tales from the set from this movie, like oh, the yeah. whole the whole scene where Jim Carrey is uh, pretending to be uh, Ron Howard to direct Max <laughs> on his motivation all that. Apparently, that was just Jim Carrey like making fun of Ron Howard, and Howard happened to be like, "All right, we're putting this in the movie." But then there's my favorite one, which was this was filmed on the back lot at Universal Studios behind the Bates Motel. And what Jim Carrey would do is when tourists would go by, he would put on a wig and a dress and come out brandishing a knife and scare the <laughs> shit out of people. And no one knew it was him. <laughs> God, there is a picture of Jim Carrey and someone else in costume having lunch one day because they were both on set. Was I it um, know... Eddie Murphy? As... It was Eddie uh, Murphy as the Nutty yeah. Professor. As a I saw that professor. But, uh, I also love, I feel like the line that most of my generation is, uh, connects with is, Max, help me, I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's ironic that, yeah, you guys, that's pretty much your generation, but like, because I'm right on the edge of like the Gen X generation, so it's like, <laughs> our, our, our operating level is just, eh, <laughs> you know? It's that's, like, I'm on the cusp of millennial gen z like right. i'm depending who you ask i'm either either the youngest millennial or the oldest gen z yeah and yeah. basically my generation is known as being dissociative to the entire world yeah yeah just drop out you guys you guys are tuning out 
I also love when the taxi cab passes by him. He's like, it's because I'm green, isn't it? That was such a good line. I completely forgot that line. When he said that, I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) That's coming from a white man. Pretend to be a green man. (laughs) But yeah, there's that. And then there's the Grinch baby. That's fucking horrifying. Horrifying. I would put that as more terrifying than anything Danny DeVito does in Batman Returns. (laughs) Which is a hot one line that might sum up all of 2020 is, am I just eating because I'm bored? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. When I heard that, I was like, yep. <laughs> Been there, buddy. I was, I was a love in the beginning when he goes down dressed like in disguise, hands the kids like a bladed thing. He's like, run with it. Go, go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I could watch this movie over and over again because I think it's hilarious. Well, and that's the thing. It is. It is absolutely hilarious. But then there's, like, the little shit. And apparently, it was cut down to, like, get rid of a bunch of, like, sexual, like, innuendo and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, apparently it was, like, cut down from that. And, but then there's the part where, like, in the beginning when you see the baby hanging outside the party in the basket. Did you notice that's a key party? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay. (laughs) There's a certain uh, age of people watching. That's like the joke for the parents. It's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Kids, party. Wait, don't. Another line I absolutely love is, "Now you listen to me, young lady. Even if we're horribly mangled, there will be no sad faces on Christmas." (laughs) Right. Jury duty, jury duty, jury duty, blackmail, jury duty. <laughs> what is that? The blackmail. I was like, what? what? <laughs> blackmail. <laughs> but then there's then there's just the fact that I love how Cindy Lou, who's dad, the actor, is Mr. Noodle from Sesame Street. <laughs> yeah. Like that dude's like a professional clown. <laughs> it's just there's so many like rando like people in this and so many random things. Like when they're all dressed up and they're like their Christmas outfits that there's like the, her, uh, um, uh, Cindy Lou's dad has that like big bowl of like eggnog on his head. That's like mm-hmm. got eggnog and shit in it. And then Cindy Lou's got like the little cup of eggnog on her head. <laughs> I just love when the Grinch is wrapping Cindy Lou. I just want to do it for proper packaging. Hey, can I use your finger for a second? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine Taylor Momsen and, uh, Jim Carrey being best friends on set. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they would arguably be acting the same age, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Although I see her being like a little bit more of a mature like kid actor. Because she really does nail some of like the genuine like acting. Oh, this is one of my favorite child acting performances. She really is good, you know? And it like, it makes you wonder like why she felt the need to go to music, you know? Maybe the gossip girl, like, really fuck her up, you know, when she was on that. And she's like, you know what? No, I got to do music. I got to do the, I got to do the I'm still, still going to defend the Pretty Reckless. I, I think they're decent. That's that's a difference in age, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, she does, like, the opposite of Jared Leto. It's like, she went from a promising movie career and TV career to music. <laughs> well, maybe that's why I like her so much. She's, like, the nega Jared Leto. I was going to say, if you're going to compare the two, Pretty Reckless and 30 Seconds to Mars, I will take Pretty Reckless in that case. But <laughs> Well, I think it's the fact that they don't make a uh, – 30 Seconds to Mars, every music video they've ever made, they made a short film. <laughs> right, because Leto just cannot pick one over the other. I can't think – I think every one of their music videos is eight minutes or longer, despite their songs being anywhere from two minutes and 30 seconds to four minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'll take your word for it because I'm never going to put that on my YouTube history. That's not happening. But with this, <laughs> it's like allegedly the Humane Society like monitored all the animal action in this movie. But there are times where that dog looks absolutely in hell. Yeah. <laughs> so right, that's the one thing. The one thing I heard about the Benedict Cumberbatch version is apparently he is a great dog owner. Good. <laughs> yeah, he is. It's that's the thing with uh, the Grinch and Max and that. It's very much a the, the Max is like his little helper butler kind of guy in the beginning mm-hmm. for the most part, but he's also like really excited to be a dog and like with the Grinch. Yeah. Or as opposed to this Max, which you can tell, I don't know if a dog actor can be 
like pissed off on set, you know. But it looks like this dog doesn't want to be in a lot of these scenes that he's in. And the, the first, the first Grinch is also like the original Grinch, which is basically I don't know if you even call it a movie. It's a it's a visual retelling of a Doctor Seuss book, word for word. Yeah, it's That's, it's essentially a TV short. It's about yeah. what it is, but. Not to say anything, like, I, that was one of my favorite TV shorts as a kid. That's not to say anything bad about that. But I would say that one might be the worst dog owner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that was because it was in what time, you know? Yeah. When animals were basically just, you know, kicking an animal wasn't thought of as being bad in that age, you know? <laughs> but, like, the, that's the one thing, like, when all these movies do, with all of them do, that they all do. And, of course, I'm going to say the two movies because they're based essentially on <laughs> the TV short. Because they all have the song in it, yeah. um, whether it's Jim Carrey's version of it, which I think is fine, or it's Tyler the Creator's version in the new one, which is not good. <laughs> I, I, I like Tyler the Creator as a. Not, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of his music. I do like a lot of his music, but I like him as a person. He seems like a fun person. Yeah, he goes a little bit. Um, he goes a little bit too off book. For his version you know it doesn't even really sound like the song itself now like if that's what you're going for then that's fine but i don't think you necessarily need but when it. you get tyler the creator to do it i don't think you're going for traditional right. yeah and the original was in 66 that's what yeah but he's uh in that one it's it's funny because when they're doing the whole stealing the presents bit which is like the big you know, memorable gag from the the cartoon. Yeah, they don't do like him like sliding around like a snake, which I kind of wanted to see Jim Carrey do because <laughs> I know he can they, do. It. Yeah, they show him under the carpet, and then Jim Carrey's face pops out when they show the slithering. Yeah, he does like the little like fingertip like like <laughs> yeah. falling too, but because he even because he does like the Grinch face, like that Grinch like grin that he has, like he does mm-hmm. that, you know, because the man's got a rubber face. But and there's so much that he is absolutely this character, you know. It's oh yeah, no my so my mom hates silly Jim Carrey but loves him in this. <laughs> that those two sentences don't go together. <laughs> well, she so like she hates silly Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. She hates him in Ace Ventura, but she likes this movie. <laughs> Interesting, I can see that. I mean, it's Ace Ventura is very much of it of its time. Yeah. especially you know storyline wise but um yeah. his performance is absolutely like of the time and the second one really the less said about I mean, the second one has its moments but like the less said about that the better you can tell he's that was was that that was a halloween costume for robin correct uh no she well she yeah the first movie she was the first ace ventura she was um mental patient ace ventura with her oh, yeah. and all that but um but yeah, so like, and then like Liar Liar, he's obviously, he plays up the... My mom does like Liar Liar. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, like the physical. I enjoy Liar Liar. Yeah, it's a good one. And then Me, Myself, and Irene. There's like right I love Me, Myself, and Irene. Yeah, that's that's one of my all-time favorite Jim Carrey movies. That was earlier in this year, I think, in 2000. But... um, um And I really like... Uh, so the director combo of uh, Internal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I think they got it right a couple of years earlier with the Truman Show, which is my favorite Jim Carrey movie. I am not a fan of that movie. I I don't, I may have, maybe I have to go back and watch it, but I remember the first time watching it being like, I don't like this movie. I just don't like it. And it wasn't a matter of, because I know a lot of people didn't like it because they were expecting um, like silly Jim Carrey and like a silly movie, mm-hmm. but it's not that. And I recognize that, but at the same time, I was like, I don't like this. So there's something about this damn movie I don't like. And I'll have to go back and like pinpoint it, but I remember thinking, no, not for See, me. I love that movie. I, Ed Harris, I love. I love Jim Carrey in it. I that That's one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies. Yeah, I mean, he can... There are times when he can do like serious, but... The dude is very much in his wheelhouse when he's playing a character, you yeah. know, and it's like under makeup or costuming or something. Which is like why that. I think, so I think that's why Silly Jim Carrey works so well into this because he is a character and he is under makeup and everything. So he's not Jim Carrey, he's the Grinch. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, he's under like three hours of makeup for this or whatever <laughs> it was. But um, 
yeah, apparently, I mean, according this is according to him. I don't know if this has been verified or whatnot. According, he, he apparently got in touch with like Navy SEALs to like undergo like torture training so like he could endure the makeup process or some shit. What? So it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, that's just crazy enough to be something Jim Carrey would do, but it's also it's like just, it's just crazy enough where I think it might be true, but I also doubt whether it's true. Yeah, but that's the idea. That's the other thing. It's like it's so crazy that you're like, damn, that doesn't sound like something a person would do. <laughs> just for some makeup on their face <laughs> but i don't have too much more to say about this no it's i enjoy it it's good it's it's, it's my favorite traditional christmas movie we talked oh. about home alone being a close second yeah i mean that's that, that's it you know it's like <laughs> yeah i mean and then previously mentioned bryce dallas howard is the surprised who with the braces at the end when he turns on the lights you know yeah <laughs> so that was 19 year old bryce i think it was but um <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fine. I enjoy it. It's it's definitely it can be it's a, it's a repeat. You know, you watch it. You watch it every year at some point. Mm-hmm. So, right. how's your beer? This is the first time in several weeks where I could say, yeah, I'm done my uh, my first one, and I'm already going pretty strong on my second one because I don't have to be up at five thirty tomorrow. Because <laughs> I'm on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on break. <laughs> I'm going on break. <laughs> to quote Mitch Hedberg. That's right. <laughs> toaster <laughs> toast though i'm going on break but... that, that thing keeps it fresh it's a fresher i'm going on break <laughs> <laughs> fresher god eh, what a loss <laughs> what a comedic loss but um yeah my uh my ties the room together white cream stout the brew abides i just noticed on there and it says obviously you're not a golfer on the side of it but um yeah very good enjoy enjoyable all right, so Ross, you're not a you're not a Bruce Springsteen fan, but you gotta re, you gotta respect uh, Clarence Clements with the saxophone, right? I mean, it's a saxophone, <laughs> I, which is I one of the hardest instruments to play. I have no musical knowledge when it comes to actually playing instruments, so I wouldn't know if he's the best or the worst. I mean, I'm I'm told he's great, so I'm sure he is, but <laughs> fair enough. I mean, I am no fan of Bruce Springsteen simply because of the blue collar aspects of all of his songs given the fact that he's a fucking trillionaire you know at some well, point to be fair the nah. blue collar aspects of the songs was before he was a trillionaire like greetings from asbury park did not go over well at all <laughs> i don't think any of his music should but that's new jersey we are very conflicted people <laughs> <laughs> we are conflicted people. <laughs> just like bon jovi you know it's like bon jovi was good in the 80s but after that they should have just stopped <laughs> I shouldn't be talking about Bon Jovi when it comes to, like, arena football, you know? Bruce Springsteen probably should have stopped in the 80s, too, but... (laughs) Yeah, Bruce Springsteen should have. Bon Jovi should have. He should be... Bon Jovi should be what Rat is in those Geico commercials. We're like, we got rats. And then it's, like, the (laughs) band Rat playing in the basement or whatever. Like, that should be Bon Jovi, you know? That should be their career. Like, doing random commercials now. My mom met Bon Jovi before he was big when she was in Europe. Nice. <laughs> is he is he secretly your dad, Mike? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I look way too much for like my dad to actually. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Physical evidence is definitely there. <laughs> so to get into our second movie, I can't Speaking believe of fathers. I'm... This one has a miss, but I can't believe I am going to say this on a movie top build cast with Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Christopher Walken. I didn't like it. <laughs> I I can't believe I'm saying this because I love all four of those actors. All of them. This and I my, didn't like it. <laughs> this is my favorite Batman movie of all time. I think it's the best he's it's ever It's a been. mess. It's the best movie ever. Listen, I can appreciate... Like, I can appreciate liking this movie like I like Spider-Man 3. I acknowledge it's a mess. But so here are some things that are similar. It wow. has it has it has the whole too many. It's patient zero for the too many villain issue. Go on. As, as much as I enjoy Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, I think she's one of the best parts of this movie. She serves nothing to the plot. Nothing. She's pointless. She's the best part of the movie. I will correct you there. <laughs> And she is absolutely integral to the plot. But go <laughs> on. 
<sighs> Someone should have been cut from the villains, really. I the movie's a mess plot wise. The plans are absolutely absurd. It's basically Arnold Schwarzenegger's plan in Batman versus Robin. This movie did come first, but the plan was just as dumb in the Batman versus Robin as it is in this movie. So it's still bad. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger actually appears in this movie. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> I did not know that. He is in this movie. It's um when Selena is uh original, like you know, the first scene with Selena when she's um putting together like the stuff after the meeting, she's event uh, when she realizes she forgets Max's uh, speech. She's in front of a wall of pictures, and on those pictures is all Max Shrek with a bunch of celebrities. The bottom right corner one is him and Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> so you can make the argument that Victor Freeze has always been in the in the Batman uh, universe. <laughs> and there's just so much about that. I can't even count how many times Batman breaks the no kill rule in oh, this no, movie. No, yeah, when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to the movie Batman. They all kill people, you know, but this one is, and that this is probably why I love it the most because he doesn't give a fuck what he does. <laughs> He'll no, let you on fire. He'll explode your ass. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> this movie is very entertaining through and through. And I can see why people like it, but the plot is so damn convoluted that I just, I don't understand how you think it's the best Batman movie. I rank it. It's somewhere around four or five for me. It is a number one with a bullet for me. Sip, and I'll, I'll tell you exactly why. And it's really not even because of the movie itself, per se. It's simply the balls that Tim Burton had to put this movie on screen. That's fair. That's a fair everything reason to like it. Everything about this movie should not exist. <laughs> no, no, nothing no. about this movie should not should exist. And that's sort of why I like Spider-Man 3. Emo Peter Parker was awful, but God damn it, do I not laugh every time I see that scene? <laughs> yeah, but like, when you look at Christopher Walken in this, is peak Christopher Walken. He is, then there's Michelle Pfeiffer, who is absolutely perfect. And then there's Danny goddamn DeVito, who is God-tier performance in this. Now, when you want to talk about our grossest living actors, Danny DeVito is right at the top of that list. That man is so good at being completely disgusting. It's unfathomable how he has a career. He really is. He's basically Ezard Scissor Scissorhands in this movie. Kind Except of. psychotic. Kind of. But yeah. Also, whole- also. Where the fuck is Gotham where there's penguins living under the city, huh? Where is that geographically okay? Gotham is also <laughs> the city of open vats of acid and chemicals. So, like, there's a lot going on with... um And open manhole covers that no one seems to investigate. Nope, no one cares. Nobody cares. And why is there another circus crew? Come on. No, you're... You take the Joker's clown crew and just make another circus crew? Yeah, it's the Red Triangle Gang. It's the freak show he was traveling around with. <laughs> but, um... But yeah, it's everything, like I said, everything about this movie shouldn't exist. But the plot, if you want to call it, if you want, in terms of like actual plot, there is a base underlying story for this movie. And it starts off as one thing and then essentially becomes almost like Citizen Kane. <laughs> but it starts off with Max Shrek wanting to siphon power from everybody in the, in the city and then distribute it back to him at like a jacked up rate, which the mayor's against. That's why he wants to recall the mayor and install his own puppet candidate. You know, until 2016, I could have never bought the fact that the Joker was a, everyone could get behind, the Joker, everyone could get behind the Penguin as a mayoral candidate. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's everything about him. He's just, he's designed him. He's got, at the same time, he's also playing Shrek because he's got his own blackmail on Max Shrek. And then he uses that to get the power of being a coming mayor. And that will give him the power to kill all of the firstborn children of God. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, this movie also becomes the story of Moses, except then Moses becomes Ramses. And then <laughs> <laughs> he kills, he wants to kill all the firstborn children of Gotham. They are just shoving everything into this movie. In Citizen Kane, the story of Moses, uh, future Batman movies. 
<laughs> and that's that's the craziest part that this movie was never designed to be part of a larger franchise. This was just supposed to be a sequel to the first Batman. And at the end, when they tack on the shot of the bat signal in the sky and the and Catwoman looking up at it, that was $200,000 just to get a stunt double in, in the costume and do that scene. Now, they only did that because somebody at the studio finally got through to Burton and was like, hey, we need this to be a thing. And it was the one thing that he actually like acquiesced and like gave in on. He's like, all right, fine, do it, fuck it. We'll tack this on, whatever. I've made my movie up to that point. <laughs> now, and I love how they wrote Vicky Vale out of this movie with one line and no further explanation. Well, yeah, but Vicky, <laughs> ice skater or stewardess. <laughs> but, what blows my mind is that mo- this movie has one point lower than the original on Metacritic. Really? Well, yeah. The original was, movie. The original was exactly, much cleaner. It didn't make a ton of money, like compared to the original. It only made like three three hundred sixty million, I think. But like it was at the time, it was a mega success. You know, it was gigantic. But nowadays that's like a week and a half for you know a successful so uh, what i'm getting on an estimated budget is 80 million estimated 266 million 800 thousand worldwide yeah 266 that's right yeah it didn't make a ton of money but at the time that was huge Mm -hmm. but with this movie and with catwoman because you say she has nothing to do with anything She's in there as a foil to Batman. She's there to show you that similar circumstances can go by and have you completely turn the opposite route of Batman. Instead of being good, you'd be you essentially become a villain. Now, obviously, it's a bit different of how she becomes Catwoman, where I don't think the science is there, because obviously I'm not a scientist or a veterinarian, but I don't think cats knowing on you can bring you back to life. <laughs> but yeah. But it does, because her whole arc in that movie is trying to figure out who she is. And it's the same thing that Batman tries to do in all of his movies, ever, in all of them. It's the only thing that anyone ever wants to do with Batman, have him figure out who he is. Which is ironic for this, because in the first one, it starts off with him just being Batman. It's like, yeah. It doesn't even give you an origin story. This one doesn't if, even... So I, I said that this is probably fourth or fifth on the Batman movies in my book. And the three that I definitely list above it are, A, I know I know The Dark Knight is the best movie in the Dark Knight trilogy, but I fucking love Batman Begins. It's good. <laughs> I enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to put Dark Knight over it, but yeah, it's good. Um, I think that, so, In that trilogy, we'll talk, I mean, we'll talk about that in a few weeks, but in that we trilogy, it's definitely 2-1-3 in those two. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what, uh, The Dark Knight Rises is low on my list of Batman movies. I hate that movie if I'm... <laughs> yeah, it's it was not executed well after a so, while you know my i like batman begins i like the dark knight i like batman 89 and then i like probably this movie this movie is definitely above the dark knight rises and yeah as it should be yeah. <laughs> you know i mean i would even there are there are parts of batman forever i would even put above dark knight rises just because it's such a different like idea for a movie and it's got a different it's got a it's got a solid tone throughout Joel Schumacher, for as silly as he gets with these movies, he is very much of a singular mindset and a tone for these movies. Dark Knight Rises seems like Chris Nolan just kind of like had his head up his ass for most of it and then just wanted to suck his own dick for the rest of it, Mm -hmm. you know? And then nobody actually thought to look at the story and see if it made any goddamn sense, you know? (laughs) But with this movie, you can say that, yeah, the plot, yes, is convoluted. But at the same time, most of this movie, I think, is that was the point that Burton was trying to get across, that you can have this insanity going on and still make it well within the world that he sets up. In Batman 89, very much that Gotham City is this Gotham City at Christmas. (laughs) I don't know. So this looks so much like it's on a set that I just feel Gotham City feels so small in this movie compared to 89 well obviously they were both on sets but yeah no but this this has a feel like they've been using the same set pieces over and over again and it makes gotham feel really small well yeah and bet 
Batman 89 uses a lot of the same spot, the, a lot of the same prop pieces too. But for some reason, that movie, it worked like it looked, it feels bigger in scope than this movie. I think that movie, that movie, because it's also darker, mm. like also it's in tone and also literally a darker movie. Like there's a lot of shadow in that movie. And it's, that's how Burton wanted it. He wanted it to be that grimy, like dirty, like shadowy create place like gotham is not sunshine and happiness you know it's very much dark shadows and seems like it's it seems like it's like always just got done raining there you know it's like (laughs) that's what it always feels like in gotham city but i think this gotham city is like i said gotham in during christmas time which is a little bit brighter it's a little bit more there's a little more joy going on despite the insanity that's happening but because they obviously have a big like Rockefeller Center like Christmas tree tradition going on, well that and, like, has forty people show up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, that's where you get like the like the the extras. You can't pay like a hundred million extras, and CGI isn't as good to make it look realistic. But yeah, there's like there's like twenty five people there, and all of them bring their uh, their tomatoes and eggs as the penguin. Yeah. <laughs> Danny DeVito points out why does why does a guy always bring tomato and lettuce, sir? Everyone brought tomato and lettuce <laughs> right. for some reason. But it's like there's aside from just the look of this movie, which is obviously very Burton, it's all Tim Burton. And when you get to just some of the lines, like like you mentioned before, the penguin is one of the most unnecessarily horny characters ever. But think about putting that character in a movie now never would happen not even that wouldn't even get past the rough draft of the script you know that would hit the internet and that movie would be shut down until it was completely reworked so for that movie to be released in a major blockbuster with that (laughs) penguin character like in the new batman movie we're gonna get colin farrell as the penguin I guarantee you, he is not spewing bile, eating fish. He's not biting noses. He doesn't have, like, his dirty-ass onesie on. It's not happening. (laughs) Also, at what point in this movie am I supposed to suspect that the Penguin is at all a physical threat to Batman? Well, like, why why is that a threat because it shouldn't be it's his te- it's his tech it's it's the umbrellas and it's his cunning that's supposed to be the issue but also this- how does an umbrella carry a Danny DeVito sized man that doesn't make super sense umbrella. it's a super umbrella you know but um it's there's so many there's so many great like little moments and the performances in this movie are what sell it for me like that's you have everyone in this movie absolutely committing. Like Michael, I do think the performances work. Michael Keaton is giving his best Michael Keaton Bruce Wayne Batman. It's he's he's great in this movie. And the relationship wish, that he has with Alfred is insane. It's like it's like father and son. That's I one of my favorite lines in this movie is security who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave. <laughs> I mean they're working, and all of a sudden, oh, oh hey Vic, come on around, look around. <laughs> but then there's like the, with Alfred and um, Bruce, like there's the um, there's a scene where Bruce is looking at the news, the, like the microfiche in the Batman uh, in the Batcave. Alfred brings him his dinner, and it's he gives him the soup, and he takes the one, but he's like he spits it out. He's like, "This is cold." He's like, "It's vichyssoise. It's supposed to be cold." And then just the way Keaton reacts to that with the, oh, "I guess you're right," and then just like eats it. He's <laughs> like, "Oh, okay." But, See, and like I love. I love all the top-billed actors in this movie, and I think their performances are good, but I think the script is not. <laughs> the script is phenomenal. <laughs> You're Simply wrong, but there are, okay. There are so many lines in this movie that, again, and like I said, this is all a testament to Tim Burton being like, fuck you, I have a vision for this movie. You're not getting me to swerve off of it. So, listen, I'm a huge Nightmare Before Christmas fan, but this movie made me think, wow, that's too much Tim Burton input. <laughs> well, considering Nightmare Before Christmas didn't have much Tim Burton input, then <laughs> that was okay. he was making this movie when that was getting made. So he was barely around for that movie. Guess we know why Nightmare Before Christmas is a much better movie then. <laughs> yeah, but anybody actually remembers that movie? Most of the time they're like, oh, it's Tim Burton. 
Oh, yeah. Batman, right? Batman Edward Scissorhands got it. Oh, he also did Nightmare Before Christmas? Oh, I got it. I think that I think Nightmare Before Christmas has a bigger fan group than you're willing of to admit. Children. Right? Yes, of children. Dumb children. <laughs> I feel like children haven't even that movie's from 1994. The kids that grew up with it are older now. <laughs> yeah, and realize that it's just fine. <laughs> it's fantastic. And a lot more work went into that movie. Yeah, because Tim Burton was working on this. So, of course, it didn't if it was like stop motion animation. Of course, you know what I'm going to say? Danny Elfman's better than Tim Burton. He's in this movie, too. Fuck yes. <laughs> he does the Wait, no, I was, trying to, well. I was trying to think of the, the director. Fuck, I fucked my own thing up. <laughs> He's in this movie as well, dude. <laughs> but with this movie, and it's probably it's one of the reasons why I love it being. I was like, going to say not, Henry Selleck is better than Tim Burton. I guarantee you right now people are Googling who Henry Selleck is and they don't have to do that with Tim Burton. <laughs> but with this movie, I think the reason why I love it so much as an untraditional Christmas movie is because the Christmas part is always like lurking in the background. Mm-hmm. And it's there's a couple, there's one set piece where like the tray lighting and the bats flying out and Batman getting blamed for killing the Ice Princess. Also, how the fuck did, did Batman ever get blamed for that? There is, like, they're like, oh, this unofficial proof they show on TV. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, they, they would actually show that proof. Every, yeah. every single every single superhero movie that needs people to turn on the hero pulls some shit like that, you know? You, you, have, to, you have to have everyone in the world just become stupid and forget everything <laughs> else that they know about the character in order for it to work. And yeah, they but do this it movie just seems so blatant so blatant about they it they do it in every movie they do it they do it time. but this movie just doesn't do it that good the fucking <laughs> avengers do it in civil war they do it you know? yeah they do but this movie does it very poorly civil war doesn't exactly knock it out of the park either no i'm not <laughs> saying civil war is a masterpiece in it, but this movie there's just not like i think the performances are fine i really love the actors and i want to give more to the performances than i feel like i can but this movie I is subpar in my book. This movie's excellent. And as usual, Mike, you're wrong. <laughs> oh but, no. This movie's it's just okay. No, I, I, I can absolutely understand why people wouldn't like this movie. And it's <laughs> it's like my wife says, it's purely Danny Vito. She can't even look at him. I get it. He's fucking gross. <laughs> but, no, I give all the credit in the world to Danny DeVito for pulling that off. I love Danny DeVito. I didn't want to look at him. But... Absolutely DeVito. And I'm guaranteed that's what he was going for. You know, mm-hmm. and he very much succeeds. It's, But everything about this movie is so much like from the performance, like Walken is absolutely over the top. And that's how I he want my Christopher Walken, you know? I don't want him <laughs> to be like a regular dude. And he is not in this movie. I watched Seven Psychopaths the other day and that movie's, I liked it better now than I did when I first saw it. But there, there's just one part where a guy pulls a gun on Christopher Walken and he's like, put your hands up. He goes, no. He's like, <laughs> the guy's like confused. He's like, but I have a gun. I don't care. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like... But, <laughs> And that's what, that's the kind of walking you want. You don't, I don't want Mike, I don't want Christopher Walken to be like, and I, I don't want him to be in like a Nolan movie, you know, where he'd have to be self-serious and he couldn't tell any jokes and he couldn't be weird. Like he would have to just be a regular yeah. dude. Here's a Christopher Walken question for you. Do they, do you think the Jungle Book remake should have had him sing, I want to be like you? <laughs> I haven't seen it. I know it's on Disney plus and I think my daughter watched part of it, but I haven't seen it. So I, I they, they have Christopher Walken singing, you know, the uh, the jazz song. I want it, King Louis jazz song. I want to be like you. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> probably should. Probably shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I find it entirely entertaining every time I see it. But I'm also like, huh? I don't know if that was a good choice. <laughs> yeah, it's that's that's iffy. <laughs> that's iffy at best. <laughs> but like. With okay, and I said I mentioned it last episode that I didn't have my creep moment last episode, but I'm having it this one. Michelle Pfeiffer is fucking phenomenal in, in the cat suit, and the just the way that she plays her crazy is sexy as hell. It really I was gonna is. I was gonna ask you if they had Michelle Pfeiffer in like a baggy hoodie and baggy sweatpants this whole movie, would it be your favorite Batman movie? If she stayed as Selena Kyle in the beginning of the movie, that like frumpy secretary in like the wool suit. 
if she still acts like she does when she's Catwoman, because there's a complete personality switch yeah. after she comes back to life. Also, who the hell is buying that Michelle Pfeiffer is living alone with a bunch of cats and they're having man trouble? That woman's not. I. It's not happening. Speaking I'm of sorry. man trouble, that even guy. If, even if she is not, like, even if she doesn't want man trouble, Michelle Pfeiffer's going to have it just because they're going to be attracted to her no matter what. Men's are and especially in, like, the early 90s when, like, yeah. dudes were just, like, all over you regardless you know if you said no or what but like in that answering machine like the guy that cancels her plans and says he has to be his own person not an appendage that's tim burton <laughs> that does that yeah and but like then there's then there's her answering machine with the gotham lady perfume that talks about having like wearing it and having her boss like have like invite you a candlelight dinner for two it's like really a, an ad campaign that advertises workplace sexual harassment that's the fucking 90s for you right there. <laughs> but when she, there's one look, and it's when she and um, Bruce are on the gigantic couch in front of the giant hearth, and she's there, he's talking about Vicky Vale, and it shows a look on, on her face. Her hair is kind of covering one eye, but she's got one eyebrow up, up, and it's sexy as hell. And then when she says it's the so-called normal guys that always let you down, sickos never scare me. At least they're committed. You know, when she delivers that line, it's like, yep. Uh, all right. 1992, Michelle Pfeiffer, you might be the most amazing woman ever. <laughs> also, what Batman's dumb enough to fall for the whole, uh, the whole repeating the same line. That... And yeah, that's when it comes to, you know, you mentioned the hacky script. When it, when it comes to that, that is, that's definitely one of those like screenwriter tricks where they do that in one scene and then they bring it back to have it be like a vital moment. And yet that, <laughs> that whole thing doesn't really make any sense at all. Either time that they say it. I mean, I know why yeah. it's in there to be able to get them to realize who they are. And it's a great way that they play it off where she says, Oh my God, do we have to start fighting now? You know, it's like, Oh, okay. But it is a really clunky way to get them to realize who they are considering yeah. there are all those like near misses that they have especially when bruce says in the office and the uh, towards uh, right after she comes back he has the meeting with shrek she comes in surprises him whatever and he says um mr wayne have you met uh, my my secretary selena he's like yeah we've already met and she's like no i don't think we have he's like oh you know what i mistook me for somebody else you know it's like i did forgot that i was batman when we met kind of thing i was like that's such a great line right there that is now i think the difference for this movie between us is so I've seen this movie when I was like probably like eight and this is the actual time that I'm seeing it and remembering this movie and I think watching this movie from the first time when I'm 23 with no nostalgia factor and didn't grow up with it I see all the flaws in this movie and while I do get enjoyment out of it like it's far from the worst movie we ever did on this podcast I don't think it's a terrible movie I think it's kind of average but I, having no nostalgia connected to it, having no not grown up with it at all, I think I look at the flaws more heavily. Oh, I've, I have all of those things you mentioned, and I still think it's the best movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> but you, that's, you grew up with the nostalgia factor. Well, yeah, no, I, and I obviously acknowledge that there are obvious flaws in this movie, but it's, it's by no means perfect. <laughs> but, <laughs> and when I say it's a perfect movie, I say that in the sense that Ricochet is a perfect movie. Ricochet, yes, Ricochet absolutely is a perfect movie. What are you talking about here? But it's like, it's, there's such a, it doesn't jump that line that the Schumacher movies do into camp. Yeah. It's silly and it's weird and it's very Tim Burton, but it's not for babies like Batman and Robin became, you know? It's absolutely better than the Schumacher movies. And I don't think ever anyone will deny that. Right. And it was never designed, even though, and I like speaking of the nostalgia factor, I specifically remember McDonald's doing like a glass promotion with this. You could collect the glasses of the different characters. Mm -hmm. And so that was like the only tie in that I remember having. Obviously, I was too young to really notice if there was anything else. But when you're doing that, that is the, obviously a very commercial, quote unquote, sellout move. Tim Burton was very much not that kind of guy. He still isn't that kind of guy. But when you look at the actual movie that McDonald's chose to tie into, 
they had to be fucking insane to do yeah. what they did. <laughs> Simply, if anything, if you want to cut everything else out, just the penguin alone should have made them be like, you know what? Maybe we can let Wendy's have this one. <laughs> Listen, when Danny DeVito pays the penguin as gross as he does and makes it that horny, what the hell? <laughs> he has a line in this movie, back to back, when he p- puts the pin on the young woman's boob and essentially he gropes her. When he says, he's like, you're the hottest role model, or you're the hottest young person a role model could have. Then he goes up the steps and he's like, well, I love this job. You can reach out and touch and squeeze and grope people. And then he's told that Catwoman's laying on the bed and he goes, ah, just the pussy I've been looking for. And it's like that whole sequence right there would never make it today. It wouldn't no. even have made it in Batman and Robin. <laughs> and that only came five years later. This movie is just, it's no District 9, that's for sure. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> if, if anything, Mike, if we can agree on anything, it is no District 9. <laughs> is that going to be like, I feel like that should become our thing. We should have like a rando suggestion of trying to work in a random ass movie that we're going to be talking about. So like, how did Grinch stole Christmas? Batman Returns, featuring a cameo by District 9. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> it's not just some reason. It's me and my roommate have been drinking whiskey all day. And he asked me, he's like, he gave me his DVD of District 9. And he said, can you please work in a mention of District 9? Of course I can. So I would love wants- to bring in District 9 into this podcast. <laughs> he wants you to plug a DVD of District 9. <laughs> Hey, I love District 9. It's a great movie. I'm happy to work it in. <laughs> I remember seeing it. I, I don't remember my opinions on it, though. But <laughs> absolutely, it is a fact that the Batman Returns is no District 9. Let's no, it no District 9. <laughs> it is not District 9. But, <laughs> but so, I mean, obviously, there's... I think we pretty much covered everything else about this i mean and then like the last thing i'll say is just the whole sequence at the end i i would love for a modern superhero movie to have one of the villains shoot one of the other villains seven times and then get murdered by a french kiss taser like i just want that in like the black widow movie you know i want to see marvel try to do something that dark you know because obviously superhero movies nowadays have to appeal to literally everybody so like there isn't there aren't those niche movies like batman returns and like those singular vision movies it's all movie by committee now but i really i really want to see at least somebody take one of our mainstream heroes and put this kind of a spin on it. And I honestly don't think that this movie, anything like this movie could ever be made again, honestly. I don't think so either. And I'm not sure if that's for good or for bad. <laughs> I think it's, I honestly think it's for bad because it's it's just the lack of creativity. You know, say what you will about this movie, whether you love it, hate it or whatever, you cannot deny that this is not all a singular Tim Burton vision. It really is. I mean, yeah, no, it's a creative movie for sure, but there are certainly some things about it that should be cut. Well, yeah, from a from a modern point of view, but when you look at it, like trying to get it to fit into like nowadays superhero movies, it would never fucking happen. I, I just the Danny DeVito horniness. If you could well, just cut the Danny DeVito horniness, yeah, you could tone that down a bit, obviously, because yeah, it is, <laughs> and obviously that is from a you know more mature perspective of society having moved on a bit, being like, but they're not exactly playing him like a hero for it, you know. He is no. so gross and disgusting, <laughs> and that's the general idea that people react to him as. So mm-hmm. at least they're not doing that. <laughs> Imagine they just played the Penguin as Frank Reynolds. It's just Frank Reynolds. <laughs> that would be great. Speaking of last night, like I was uh, going to bed and Kara had on uh, "It's Always Sunny" on like Hulu or something, and it was the zoo episode from uh, a few great episode, ago. great episode, so good with him pissing on Max Like. <laughs> we could all we could almost just take it like the after podcast segments of what's happening on "It's Always Sunny." 
<laughs> Speaking of, it's all in the. I'm glad you mentioned that. The acrobat that steals the baby and says, "I'm not one for speeches, so I'll just say thanks." Do you know who that actor is? No. It's Max Dad. <laughs> no fucking way. <laughs> it absolutely is. It is Max Dad. But um, and also I think the uh, the newspaper kid, Hawking the newspapers in the beginning. I think he plays a McPoyle at some point. <laughs> so there are a couple. It's always Sunny uh, members in this show in this movie. No, now my hope is Charlie Day one day watches this and goes, "Huh, those guys would write a funny episode of It's Always Sunny." That would be so good, just to somehow do like a Batman Returns style episode. Of the For your idea with Friday the 13th, where it's just Frank Reynolds fucking with teenagers. That would be great. And that this would... Charlie and Matt show up at the end, like, Frank, what the fuck are you doing? That would be hilarious. I would love that. But, uh, all right, so, I mean, I'm done talking. Me too. But, um, all right, so that was... The end of our untraditional, traditional Christmas, our month of December. Now, there's also going to be, uh, at some point, that Monmouth County Memes episode crossover is coming out. Any yes, Max was telling me is working on that pretty big today, but I got to talk to him and see when that's coming out, because Max can be weird with that. <laughs> just, I mean, it doesn't affect our release schedule, so it's, yeah. <laughs> it's really just a bonus episode for us, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited for it to come out because that, that was a fun conversation with Mom County memes. Yeah, it's a good time. Good time. But um, so obviously our show will continue going on into the new year of 2021. <laughs> now we're going to be jumping into um, trilogies. For we are foregoing the sort of in-between right. episode for this. Yeah, there's no in-betweener this week, this uh, this month. Um so we're just going to jump right into it, and we're going to jump into uh, the first trilogy, which Mike brought up a couple times this uh, this episode. We're going to start with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. And I think JR may be joining us for that one. Yeah, the, uh, the great Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland debate will probably come up a lot. <laughs> and I will be talking about how enjoyable Spider-Man 3 is from a shoe <laughs> and i guarantee i will be on the other end of that conversation of being just like, from an ironic enjoyment point of view i'm not saying it's a good movie but i it's hilarious <laughs> yeah I have, I have not i've only seen it the one time and i remember seeing the theaters walking out being like why did i just waste money on that cry <laughs> why did i waste money on that so gonna cry <laughs> yeah so mike uh in the meantime where can people find us on the internet so you can listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at Happy Hour Film Podcasts. Uh, we are on several other uh, on several other streaming platforms, thanks to Anchor. Uh, and if you want to look, follow us on social media, we are on Instagram and Facebook as Happy Hour Films Podcast. Uh, reach out to us. We love to talk to our fans, our listeners. So, yeah, give us a shout out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's always fun interacting with people and uh, hopefully everyone has listened, gone back and listened to uh, the previous episodes. So I guess you can do that in the meantime before uh, we release a, a new one coming up. So as always, I have been Ross Bacon. I've been Mike McGuigan. And we'll see you guys next time. So long.